Hey, everybody. How are you? Good, good, good. Good to, good to hear, good to hear. Uh, listen, I, I was gone last week. Pastor Talia did a fantastic job talking about prayer. Wasn't that so good? If you missed last week's message, you've got to go back to timbercreekchurch.com, listen to the latest message on prayer. Uh, we have a prayer sign-up for our prayer breakfast coming up next Saturday. Uh, we take about an hour and a half. We eat good food. We talk a little about prayer, and then we pray. And if you'd like to know more about that, you can check out the, the information center there. We'll get you signed up. But so many cool things going on in this series, You asked for it, talking about forgiveness and stress and how do we really pray? You know, what are some life hacks for, for prayer? And today, you know, to be honest with you, I, I feel a little bit like, uh, as I've said before, a, a mosquito at a nude beach. Um, I know what to do. I just don't know where to start. And that, that's kind of a mosquito at a nude beach. All right. Because today, because today, there's a whole lot that we could focus on, um, but we want to drill down and give you the, the, most, uh, the most important fundamental pieces of the holy who. The holy who, today, the message is entitled the holy who because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to, to drill down deep, uh, but yet uh, get everybody on the same page, and that is a huge challenge. Because to be honest with you, when I say the words the Holy Spirit, there are a whole lot of emotions, feelings, experiences, methodologies, doctrine that are represented in the mixing bowl of Timber Creek Church. I have some that when I say Holy Spirit, they just want to say, yeah, amen, let's go, let's get it, aha! And then others, when I say the Holy Spirit, you go, wait, wait, isn't this what, what you know, my, my, my Baptist grandpa said, you know, stay away from people talking about the Holy Spirit, that's a cult. You know, like maybe, maybe there's a spectrum here from one side to the next. And so my job is to be a tour guide today. I think really pastor is best described as a tour guide, like a shepherd to kind of tour us through the right place to get to the right destination and let Jesus do what only he can do. And so I want to give you a tour today of the Holy Spirit. But in order to do that, we can't start a tour with all of us on all kinds of different pages. We all got to be on the same bus so I can say, all right, next stop. And in order to get on the same bus, let's do a little bit of a survey real quick. Hey, how many of you, uh, you grew up in church just raise a hand. You grew up in church, okay? How many of you, maybe your church was your thing, you kind of went, but it wasn't until you came to Timber Creek that you really started being faithful in church. Anybody? Oh, awesome. Awesome. I love seeing that. You know, we really build this church for people that are far from God and people that are unchurched and disconnected. But now, for the rest of you that have grew up in church, let's ask some questions. How many of you grew up in the Assemblies of God Fellowship? Just raise your hand. Okay, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, okay, eight of you. <clears throat> uh, how, how many of you, and if you don't know, Timber Creek Church is an Assemblies of God church, so uh, we're outnumbered, everybody, run! Okay, so uh, how many of you grew up um, Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopalian? One of those, okay. You're slow to raise your hand, because you know, you Lutherans, you don't want to worship, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, just kidding. How many of you grew up Catholic? Okay, how many of you grew up Pentecostal? Assemblies of God would be considered Pentecostal, just different from United Pentecostal and Pentecostal holiness and major, major spectrum shift there. How many of you grew up Baptist? Oh, dear Lord. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Listen, if we, if we ever all go to prison together, you better be in the Baptist gang because they're going to own the place, I, I guess. Yikes. 
Oh, once Baptist, always Baptist. Anyway, well, glad you're here. They came for the truth here. Now they're they're Timber Creek. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, How many of you grew up in a denomination I didn't mention? Okay. How many of you you just haven't grown up yet? (laughs) You know, Uh, so... So obviously, Assemblies of God, Baptist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, everybody has a particular distinctive doctrine when it comes to looking at the Bible. There are denominations that are splitting because of their doctrine and how they view the Bible. There there are churches that have split over doctrinal issues, mainline denominational churches. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there is just as much um, philosophy, thought, theology, um, stereotyping, um, personal experience, corporate experience, good experiences, bad experiences, to be honest. Like there's a big mixing bowl of all kinds. So how do we get on the same page? Well, let's start here. Um, at Timber Creek, we believe the word of God is the God-breathed word. It is his voice to us. And the best way he could show what he meant was by making that word flesh. And the word became flesh, and Jesus embodies that word. And now Jesus uh, is the way to the Father and to eternal life. And so maybe we can start here. How many believe the word of God is inspired by God and is the moral compass for our life? All right, okay, put your hands down. How many of you say Jesus is the only son of God and the only way to heaven through him? Uh, how many of you say it's not about what I could ever do, it's about relying on the grace of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice for our sin, and I take that by faith? Yep, okay, very good, very good. And, and now, let's start there, okay? Because it looks like, for the most part, unless you're investigating the claims of Christ, unless you're still you know, kicking the tires on a relationship with Jesus, you, you may not feel that way. That's okay. This is a great place for you to be today. What I want to do is I want to take us a, a gallop. We are going gallop. We, when there, is no, there is no sauntering. There is no little j- trot through the word of God today. We are going to gallop like Paul Revere today through scripture, because if we believe the word of God is our foundation, we wanna see where the word of God takes us. And I'm inviting you just, just you don't have to even tell anyone. You don't have to tell your grandpa. You don't have to tell your, your denominational relative, okay? You don't have to tell them. It's between us, okay? Just step away from, like, step away from the denomination for a moment, and let's just step into scripture with an open heart and open mind and see what Jesus would wanna say to us today. How about we start there? Sound good? All right, and listen, if you don't like it, if you don't like it after we're done, I want you to get a piece of paper out. I want you to write a letter, tell them everything you don't like and send it to the Easter Bunny. Okay, so <laughs> here, here we go. Let me first of all tell you that there's no way that I could give you really all that you would want or all that you need today. Um, the Holy Spirit is a beautiful person that desires real close friendship with you. And last year, middle of the year, I did a series called The Holy Spirit. And uh, if you Google Timber Creek Church Vimeo, uh, you can find the last 300 sermons that we've preached on this platform uh, right there on our Vimeo account. It's open. It's public. Uh, You can also go to our website, and you can do that. And we're going to make it easy for those of you that like us on Facebook and follow us on Facebook. We will post some of those sermons 
uh, over the course of the next um, few days. So I invite you to get a, a, a more well-rounded, robust picture, but today we're going to gallop. So start with a timeline with me, and let's talk about the Holy Spirit. We start way over here in the timeline before the foundations of the earth were even formed, and we see that the Holy Spirit is present at creation. And we see in present at creation, we see in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, existing at creation, before creation, through creation, uh, one in three, three in one, the Holy Spirit exists at creation. And we see how God then forms humanity, and he forms creation. He forms uh, all the beasts of the field, the earth, uh, the, the, the birds of the air, the, 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 the sun and the moon and the stars. And he forms his most valuable creation, humanity. And he starts the story of humanity, the story of us and God. And the Bible, as you read, you see a particular group of people, the Israelites, who uh, show us the real story of God. Because the Bible is not about a group of people trying to get close to God. The Bible is a story about God wanting to get close to people. And from good days and bad days, serving him and putting a cold shoulder to him, we see from creation uh, men and women and families and nations falling, surrender to God, and then saying, forget you, God. And it starts at creation with the Holy Spirit doing his work. 700 years before Christ, the book of Joel, the prophet Joel, the, book, uh, the, the nation of Israel had had a hor horrible uh, natural disaster of, a, of a, a plague of locusts. And locusts had eaten up the entire crops. There was famine all over. And the word of the Lord comes to Joel. At that time, in the story of God, God spoke to particular people, particular prophets, and they were the trumpet, the mouthpiece of God for a nation, the mouthpiece of God for a people. And he speaks as the trumpet of God, as the mouthpiece of God. Joel talks about how God is gonna give them back their land, that whatever the locusts stole, God's going to bring it back and replenish it. And then Joel goes on to prophesy. And prophecy is basically looking into the future and speaking something that will come into existence. And you know how someone's a false prophet when they speak that something's going to happen and it doesn't happen. That's a false prophet. But when they speak and this is going to happen, it's a prophetic word. And we hear in Joel, he says this in Joel chapter 2. He's talking about the last days, after the locust, after the replenishment, down in the future, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. See, at that time, it was really only the prophets that were seeing dreams and having visions and speaking and prophesying. And he's saying all people, like, like the, power, the, the, the power of God is not going to be relegated to one person as the trumpet. But everybody gets to be a part of the story and gets to be, have the spirit poured out on them. He goes on, even on my servants, that's like us, not just the prophet that was God's mouthpiece, but all of us. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So from creation to 700 years before 
Christ, then you get 600 years, 500 years, 400 years. And from 400 years till John the Baptist, the, the, the word of God is silent. In fact, when you open your Bible, a live, you know, a real tangible Bible, not just the one you have in your iPhone, which is totally fine. But if you open one up, you'll see a, a blank page in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That blank page isn't an error. It's a representation of the 400 years of silence that God's voice was not speaking to people. There was just silence. What next? What do we do? Where do we go? And they just kind of lived their life. There was tyranny. There was rebellion. There was governments that were overthrown. The Roman Empire uh, became massive and was the, the control of the day. And so once we get past those 400 years, all of a sudden we get to this guy, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is anointed by God and the Holy Spirit as a prophet now that 400 years of silence is broken, and as John the Baptist, a relative of Jesus, who came on the scene just a few months before Jesus did, John the Baptist says it like this in Matthew chapter three. The prophet of God, John the Baptist, says, I'm a, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose Birkenstocks, or sandals, I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, a lot of people in church circles like to focus on the fire word, and so, so it's all about like the tangible manifestation. It's fire, fire, and, and you might even hear in some like revivals, and they, fire, fire, but, but the truth is if we back up, it's not about the fire, it's about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what brings the change, the, 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 the refiner's fire, if you will, and John is not just saying fire like goosebumps. He's talking about this correlation between water and fire, like there's more than just the baptism here. There's, 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 a, there's more of a baptism that's available. Now Jesus shows up on the scene and is baptized by John himself. So from creation to 700 years before Christ to John the Baptist who prepares the way for Jesus, that now in the middle of Jesus' ministry, he shows up, he's born of a virgin, he lives for, he lives for, for 12 years, you don't really hear much until he's in his, gotta be about his father's business in the temple. And then from the temple, we don't hear much, 18 more years until he's around 30 years of age, he starts his three and a half year ministry to, to, to the world, right there in the backyard of his hometown. And in the ministry of Jesus, after he's healed the sick and he's, he's uh, uh, taught and he's preached and, and, and uh, he's, he's fed thousands with a, a to-go box from, from Red Lobster and, and, and he, he Cheddar Bay biscuits and salmon. It was amazing. And, and like after the loaves and the fishes and he's meeting with the people and he starts talking, he's talking about, he's, he's teaching them and he says this, he says, hey, if you, if you, even though you're evil, like you don't got it all together. You don't got all your ducks in a row. You got issues just like everybody else. Even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so Jesus is not talking about himself. He's talking about the third part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, if you ask, how much more? Because God's a good God. How many of you ever received a really great gift from somebody? Wow, powerful, right? Weren't you thankful? Weren't, wasn't it nice? Uh, hopefully you didn't take it for granted. Sometimes we grow up and we realize just how much our parents gave us and we took for granted those good gifts, didn't we? How many of you ever received a gift and it was like, what in the world were they thinking? They don't even like, I have a peanut allergy and they brought, bought me a, a bag of peanuts. Like, like they don't even know me, right? Well, 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 
We know how to give good gifts to our kids. And God knows how to give a good gift to us, the Holy Spirit, present at creation, before Jesus, mentioned by John, talked about by Jesus. Then we go to the Last Supper. So Jesus, in that three and a half years of ministry, he's speaking, he's encouraging, he's teaching, and he gets to the Last Supper. You know, when my family gets together, the Yancey family has their Christmas or their Thanksgiving or their summer vacation, if we do, we actually like each other. We get along pretty well. It's crazy. And, and we'll get together. My mom always gets teary-eyed when it's towards the end of, of the time. She don't want to draw it out. It's hard for her. She gets teary-eyed. Well, let's all circle up and let's pray. <laughs> you, know? She, you know why? Because she knows it's the last time before we're going to get together again. And she makes sure that in that last time, she's not, you know, we're not all just kind of hanging out, doing whatever, watching TV. We turn the stuff off. We set the phones down. We all gather together. We talk about the next time we're going to be together. We tell each other we love. We make sure that we don't let any sun go down on being upset that everybody's good. And then we pray. Why? Because at the last moment we're together, we want to make sure things are right. And at the Last Supper, Jesus' life is about to take a major turn, and he's about to become the lamb who was slain. And his time with them now in the flesh is going to be unbelievably limited. And he has to prepare them for that. In this moment, he has to prepare his disciples at the Last Supper. And the Last Supper is from John 14 all the way to, the, to, to John 17. And in those three chapters right there, there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot that's taught. And here's what Jesus says in John 14. I'm gonna pray the Father. That sounds like an interesting way to say it. He's basically saying, I will ask the Father. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Not the same helper, another helper. That he may abide with you forever. And the disciples hear it, and they break bread, and they're talking, they're drinking the cup, and, and they're, they're, they're enjoying time, and they're celebrating Passover. And a little bit later, he says, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. That's who they'll the receive, the helper. Because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now let's stop for a second. You ever wondered why people that are outside not just the church, but outside of faith. Like they don't claim Jesus as their savior. Like why can't they just see that what they're doing is messing up their life? Why can't they just see? Why can't they just receive the word of God? They're like, ah, that's good for you, but that's not for me. And you're like, man, if you could just see. Well, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. It, it, it's very difficult for people that haven't received the spirit of truth to really walk in freedom and in truth. And that's why it's so important that people know Jesus. Because you can walk in good stuff. You can have the nice stuff that the world has to offer, but truly walk in freedom and in truth. You just don't know that until you receive the spirit of truth. But he says, you know him, disciples, because he dwells with you and will be in you. So there's coming a time, Jesus is getting them ready for, that I'm not gonna be in the flesh, I'm not just gonna be with you, but the spirit of God is going to be in you. Wow. Now, if that wasn't enough, two chapters later, he says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But listen, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who wrote the first four books of the New Testament, they didn't just take, you know, a voice memo recorder. They didn't have those back then. They, they, they didn't just jot down all the notes. How did they remember everything that happened? How did they take it? Because the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance all the things that had been said. 
The Holy Spirit breathed the words of their stories. And it's how we have the gospels today. Now, if that wasn't enough, because he's talking about the spirit of truth and the helper twice now, he says, nevertheless, you know, it's like your Uncle Fred that keeps on wanting to bring up his colon surgery, you know, except this is a good thing. Uncle Fred, stop talking about your colon surgery, buddy. But Jesus, he's saying, hey, 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 I know we've talked about this before, but nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Listen, guys, I'm not lying. You got to get this. Don't miss this. I'm telling you something important, and don't just pass me up for the pita bread. You got to hear this now. Listen, 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 to, listen, Linda, listen. He says, it's to your what? Advantage. That I, Jesus, go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And, and, and you know, the disciples are like Gary Coleman from different strokes. Like, what you talking about, Jesus? What you talking about? I said Gary Webster in the first service, and someone corrected me. It's Gary Coleman, not Gary Webster. But I was thinking of the little Webster guy and Gary Coleman. Anyway, I asked this guy, I don't know, we'll call him Mike, who plays bass. I said, Mike, you got any theological thoughts for me? He said, no, no, just television stuff, just television. I said, thanks, buddy. I love you, Mike. The helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. How many of you, the next board meeting you got to go to, you, wouldn't it be great if Jesus was there next to you whispering in your ear? How many of you, the next time you go through a hard time, wouldn't it be great if Jesus in the flesh just showed up and said, hey, I'm here for you. Don't forget, I'm here. Wouldn't it be great when, when, when parents, you know, your kids, their first day of school, uh, of, of, of preschool or elementary or junior high or high school, my daughter's a freshman this year, wouldn't it make you feel a little bit better if when, when, when my daughter's getting out of the car at, at, at the high school and she's got her backpack and, and her phone, because, you know, <laughs> got to have that phone, and, and, and uh, she walks in, that Jesus scoots out of the back seat too and says, bye, mom and dad, it's going to be fine. And he grabs her hand, and, and couldn't you see? Wouldn't that just give you peace to know that Jesus is just walking in with your daughter to the high school? But that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. You're not going to get me in the flesh. You're not going to get me. But you're going to have even better. Because I can only hold one hand at a time. But if I send you the Spirit... Your kids and my kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and your friends and those that, that have just brand new to Jesus and those that have known Jesus a long time, I'm walking with them too. That's the blessing of the Holy Spirit. I'll send him to you. And from the Last Supper, they leave that place and they go through some pretty chaotic times they probably had to remind themselves the last time they were together when the next Passover comes. Remember what he said? Remember what he said? It's part of why Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Because he knew there was going to be another year go by and there's a whole lot that happened. And every time they got together for the Passover, he didn't want them just to go through the rigmarole of religious feasts. He wanted them to remember me because I'm the center of it. I'm the center of it. He says, remember me. And from the Last Supper, Jesus is arrested and beaten, and crucified, and buried, and the disciples are scared to death. They're freaking out. They're afraid. You know why? Because the same government that just, just chose to crucify their Messiah is probably the same government that's going to come find them, rip them out of their house and home, and get them and, and nail them to a cross too. And so we got to hide. They were afraid. And on the day of the resurrection, that afternoon, Jesus was busy that day, 
He was busy that day, showing up in the garden to Mary, showing up having a long walk on the road of Emmaus. That night he shows up at the safe house. And here's what we read in John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day, Resurrection Sunday, that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. He didn't knock on the door. He didn't open the door. He didn't crawl through the window. He just showed up. Man, I remember me and my brother getting into trouble. We'd be in the corner of our room doing something, talking about something, looking at something, watching something. And before you knew it, my mom was standing among us. (laughs) What are you doing, boys? Like Like the Holy Spirit for us. What you watching? What you doing? Where are you going? What are you saying? What are you writing? How, what are you talking about? Huh? What, mom? Huh? What? And they're dumbfounded. They're, 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 they're like, Whoa. I mean, could you imagine? Just, there he is. They just watched him die. And, and Andrew's just playing kumbaya on the guitar. And he goes, ploing. And Peter, what? Nathaniel just passes out. Breaks the coffee table. It was a whole situation. And after he said, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were so overjoyed. They saw the Lord again. Lord, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now listen, that's a very important piece that can be lost in all this scripture. As he has sent me, I am sending you. The reason he gives us the Holy Spirit is not just for us, it's to be sent. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. On resurrection night, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, 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 I don't know about you, but that's strange. Like, I've gone to a lot of hospital visits. I prayed with a lot of people down here. And you know what I try not to do? I try not to breathe on them. You would appreciate that too. But I don't know how you'd feel about me coming up to the hospital and saying, man, I know you just had that surgery. Hey, listen, let's just pray. You're like, I'm better, I'm better, go away. You don't want that. So why, why does Jesus breathe on them? Well, this is why you gotta know the Bible. This is why you can't just take a Sunday morning and and just tuck it in your pocket. It's why he brings us the word of God so that we can see the full gospel, the whole story. Because when you go back to creation and you see that he made all the living things and when it comes time to him to make man, he takes dust and he, what does he do? He, and if you know the whole story of God, you can begin to see that the same way God breathed life into humanity, this is the moment where Jesus breathes new life into people. And what used to be trying to get close to God through process is now all reliant upon receiving Jesus. And he breathes. It's, It's That's when we are, what we say in traditional circles, born again. It's what Jesus talked to Nicodemus on that night when one of the, one of the rulers came over to, to Jesus and said, what does it mean, born again? And that's what it means, like whew, new life, breath of God 
in us. And when you confess that Jesus is Lord, and when you believe that he died and rose again, and he's the son of the living God, when you believe those things, and you claim that in your heart, and you say, he is who he says he is, that same spirit is breathed in you too. Now we could stop there, we could stop there, and the majority of people that know Jesus have stopped there. What a great place to stop. Jesus breathing his spirit into our life. But if there was more, wouldn't we want it? If there was more to the story, and it was available to not just the disciples back in the day, but to us, wouldn't we want to know what happens next? Because if that was the end of it, I am sending you, breathe the Holy Spirit, now don't go anywhere. No, he was sending them somewhere. So now we see that before the ascension, death, resurrection three days later, and then before he ascends into heaven, we get this scripture in the book of Acts. After his suffering, the crucifixion, he showed himself to these men and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Showed him his hands, showed him his, his scar on his side. They were going fishing and he did the same thing that he did years earlier and he, they caught this huge amount of fish. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. So he didn't just meet with them on the day of the resurrection. He met with them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. He had more teaching to do. On one occasion, so if you say on one occasion, obviously there's more than one occasion, isn't there? On one occasion though, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, their hometown, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. Now, he's talking to the people that have already been breathed on. They've already received the Holy Spirit because he breathed on them on the day of Pentecost. So what is he talking about waiting for if he's already breathed on them? He goes on to say, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Those same people that received the Holy Spirit on the day of resurrection, when he walks through the wall, he says, later in a few days, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit. So obviously there's more than just salvation here. He goes, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Everywhere, everywhere. And can let me pause here and just say, next week, next week I'm gonna wrap up You Asked For It series and I'm gonna talk about why immigration and Islam are ways that God, the ways that God uses his people. What? What are you talking about? I'm gonna talk about what the word of God says about the power of immigration and Islam and why God would be sending to our doorstep the ends of the earth. See, we used to think that he will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What happens when Jesus sends the ends of the earth to your Jerusalem? What happens when he makes it a whole lot easier than just getting on a boat and going overseas when he creates an opportunity for you to have the ends of the earth in your own Jerusalem? We'll talk about that next week. The day of Pentecost comes a few days later. A few days later. I, I, I want to say that like the guy on SpongeBob SquarePants. A few days later. <laughs> but I have kids and maybe some of you don't, so it doesn't make sense. So we've got creation. 
prophesied by Joel, 700 years, John the Baptist, Jesus, Jesus dies, buried, resurrected. 40 days from the time he is uh, resurrected to his ascension. Within that 40 days, he says, wait in Jerusalem. Then the day of Pentecost comes, which is 10 days after the ascension. 10 days later after the ascension. Pentecost means 50, Pente means 50. So it's 50 days from the last supper and that, that day, that very next day that he was crucified. 50 days, we get the feast of Pentecost and there, the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, baptized with fire, that separating came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wow. Now, that whole thing right there, tongues, is a, bit, is a huge misunderstood piece. We'll talk about that more. Several years later, after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit here, several years later, on that day of Pentecost, 3,000 people come to Jesus. 3,000 people accept faith into Christ Christianity as they know it. Several years later now, okay, you follow me on the timeline? We get the Apostle Paul, 25 years later, and here's where Apostle Paul is in the book of Acts. Paul travels through the interior regions until he reaches Ephesus on the coast, where he found several who? Not pagans, not people that were not far from God, but believers. So believers believe in God, believe in Jesus. They're believers, okay? 25 years from Pentecost, he finds these believers there in Ephesus. And here's what Paul says. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. And the next statement you hear is where a lot of us are today. And they say, no, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. And you know, I think that some of us are there today, haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit, haven't even seen this laid out for me before. Or you've heard and you've been afraid of the Holy Spirit. Or you've heard and you said, stay away. they've said stay away from the Holy Spirit. And that's only 25 years from the manifested presence of God in Jerusalem. Here we are in 2017, and, and there's a lot of people haven't even heard that there is more than just bowing the knee to Christ. There's more, and it's available. Haven't even heard. <laughs> so I want to reintroduce you to Jesus and his Holy Spirit today. You know, um, when my daughter was five years old, we were in Kansas City, and we were at a family reunion, the Swadley family reunion. Last name Swadley on my mom's side, our life verses, and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Two different things, completely out of context. The Swadley family had their reunion, and you know, you can't have Swadley family reunion without Swadley family t-shirts. Everybody's gotta have a t-shirt if you're gonna go to reunion, right? You don't have a reunion unless you got that, you know, stinking t-shirt. So we all had the Swadley family reunion t-shirts on, and my daughter at five, one day of the reunion, because you can't have just one day, you gotta have a couple. We have one day of reunion, the very next day, she's got this massive red streak down her leg. She's five years old, and she's limping around the little, you know, uh, uh, musty basketball gym in the basement of one of the local churches that let us have their reunion there. And, and, and uh, she's limping around, and it got, it, she's getting worse and worse and worse, and we finally said, look, we gotta do something with this. This isn't just... You know, a, a scratch, this is, you know, this is getting to be a big deal. 
And so we took her to the emergency room. Now, for our family, you go to the emergency room, it is like life or dead. Like, you know, it, it, we don't go to the emergency room often. So we had to, get, we, we said, this is serious. So we get to the emergency room. Let me tell you this, the story of the waiting room here. We get to the, the emergency room in a place we don't know, in a city we don't live, um, away from all the family that's having their reunion. And there's a guy over in the corner of the waiting room wrapped in a blanket and he's shivering and he looks like death warmed over. And you're like, sit on the other side, you know, sit on the other side, you know. And, and, and we're sitting there and the guy's over here and in comes these two uh, older people, husband and wife, and, and the, the husband walks in and, and, and he plops down and the wife follows right behind him. And this is before iPhones and yet she had a flip phone that had a game on it and the music, she obviously couldn't hear very well, the music was turned up full blast. So she's walking through the door. She's, oh, they got me. I got three lives left, though. It's a waiting room, and our daughter's sick, and the guy's shivering in the corner, and this guy who's, who comes in with his wife, he starts talking to the guy in the corner, you sick? <laughs> I've been there, been there, done that. Starts talking about polyps and other things. Yeah, cut me from here to here. And I'm going, whoa, too much information. And his wife the whole time. And your pastor's a patient man. I mean, this is nine years ago, and I, 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 he's still working on me, everybody. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I, I can be pretty impatient. I'm like, I'm going to rip that phone right out of her hand. And Janet's, Janet's like the Holy Spirit. Shh, it's okay. Calm down. I, I got to get a book. I'm going to get a book. I'm going to go to the car. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I get up, and I go to leave to go to the car to get a book. And as I walk by the woman, she happens to look up from her whatever it is, super Tetris, and she looks at me, and I've got the family reunion thing, and she goes, Swadley! And I, I said, yeah, yeah, Swadley family reunion. Here's what she said. She goes, I'm a Swadley! And I said, no, you're, no, you're not. <laughs> nope, no, you're not. She goes, no, 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 I'm a Swadley! I'm a spy. Who's your, who, who is your dad? And I said, well, my, my dad, and I go on to tell, I tell her kind of, I said, Smiths and Johnsons, it's probably, you know, it's probably one of those things. Like there's a lot of different branches on this tree. And her dad and my grandpa were brothers. She was like a distant cousin. The girl. No wonder she wasn't at the reunion. Nobody wanted to invite her. She goes, where are y'all having that reunion? I said, I better call my mom. <laughs> I ain't inviting anybody else. Now, if, if, you, if you gave your impression of my family based on that obnoxious relative you would so misunderstand, miscommunicate, and just simply not know my family. You just wouldn't know it. And the truth is, the Holy Spirit, he's not obnoxious. But some people may have misled you in that.
He's not, he, he, he's, he, he's not crazy. He's not weird. But there may be experiences you've been a part of that have been weird. And you say, if that's the Holy Spirit, I don't know if I want anything to do with it. Well, you just don't know my family. You just don't know the Holy Spirit. And so instead of being introduced in a way that would cause you to go, let me take the next few moments we have and introduce you to your greatest friend. The greatest friend you could ever have that you don't have to go searching for, that before the foundations of the earth were formed, the spirit hovered over the water in the same way the spirit hovers over the water, he hovers over your life wants to be involved in your life. You, you can't know Jesus unless the Holy Spirit draws you to him. He's your best friend. And if you don't know him, you don't know your best friend. So allow me to reintroduce to you. Take your notes and your worship guide and let's write these down quickly. Number one, the Holy Spirit is not just a gift from God. He's, he's not a piece of candy that God gives out to his believers. He is God. He is just as much God as Jesus is God. We see this. God said in the beginning of creation, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. He's not talking about the angels. He's talking in community with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Beyond creation in the New Testament, we see that after his baptism as Jesus, the Son of God, came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit of God, descending like a dove and settling on him, on Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son. We see God the Son, a voice from heaven, God the Father, and we see the descending of the Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit. In John 14, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the... Father will send in my name. Whose name? Jesus' name. So Jesus, the Son of God, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father anointed Jesus, the Son of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and power. Number two, the Holy Spirit is not a philosophy. He's a person I can know intimately. He's not some vague electrical force field that people walk into in a service and they, they get the heebie-jeebies. There can be an external expression of an inward reality. There can be an external response to what Jesus is doing inside of people. And those responses range from silent tears to overcome with his presence and f falling over. What's happened, though, is sometimes we relegate the signs just to one thing, and then you got people just wanting to push people over, or they didn't really have church unless someone fell over. And, and, and that, that's, that's charismatic tradition. That, that's not like what we should be looking for. We should be looking for an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because he's not a philosophy, he's a person. Philosophy can't put a hand on you. Philosophy can't speak to you. Philosophy is just philosophy and it's in a book and it's on a shelf. But a person can comfort you and speak to you and listen to you and that's the Holy Spirit. You see this, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity three and one, one and three. 
We get God the Father because most of us had dads. And if you didn't have a dad, you still have an absence of a father. And so you still know what a relationship you wish it looked like or what it did look like. And so we can relate to God the Father because we know those relationships. And some of us, you have a hard time relating to God because your father relationship is, is twisted. And it gets, it's hard to see God as a father because the father you had on earth was, was an idiot. And you know son because maybe you have a son or you knew a son or you have, know somebody who, who has a son. That's an easy thing to, to relate to. But God, the Holy Spirit, that feels weird. That can feel ticklish because we relate so well to father and son, but Holy Spirit... It doesn't relate well, like what Robert Morris said. I bet many of you would have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit if we just called him Bill. God the Father, God the Son, and, and, and Bill. Bill the Holy Spirit. Like, oh, man, I've just been talking to Bill. Bill's been walking with me today, I'll tell you that much. He's like, oh, yeah, Bill's so good. Man, thanks, Bill. Like, that would be so easy. And you know what? For formal people, for formal people that, you know, that, that church is pretty you know, pretty uptight, they could call him William. <laughs> We're so thankful that William has made his presence known to us today. Those were, that's like, you know, they're kind of charismatic, crazy, like wild. They're like, Billy! <laughs> Woo, Billy Ghost in the house, Billy! Woo, Billy got a hold of me today, Billy, Billy, Billy! Give me some more of Billy! I'm okay with Billy, I'm okay with William, I'm okay with Bill. He's the same. How we respond to him may be different, but he's real. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling, not a force field. He's a person of the Trinity that you can know intimately and he already knows you very well. And what does this friend do? <laughs> because if we don't see him as personal, we'll never know him personally. And when we know him personally, beyond a feeling, beyond an altar service, beyond a, a, a shiver, beyond a goosebump, we begin to learn that this Holy Spirit, our friend, our helper in time of trouble, our comforter, he speaks, he tells us clearly, he's, he's not a quiet friend, he's, he speaks, he teaches, write it down. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Some of you trying to figure out this thing of life with Jesus. And I invite you into the Holy Spirit teaching us way beyond Pastor Jeremy could ever teach you. In fact, I'm just the mouthpiece this morning, but it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the teaching. When I met with the worship team before service today, I said, how do you talk to a room full of young Christians, old Christians, uh, uh, people that believe a certain way, people that don't even know? How do you talk to them? How do you make it clear? You do what you can do, and you let the Holy Spirit do his job. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this room today, where, regardless of where you are. He, we get taught by the Spirit. He encourages us. Look at this in Acts 9. The church became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants the church to grow in numbers. Isn't that beautiful? You know, there's a reason why we're launching a location in Agadochus. And there's a reason why we've had an obstacle after an obstacle. Not because we're not supposed to do it. But because any time you're encouraged by the Holy Spirit to grow in numbers, wouldn't the enemy like to come in and put barricades? And we've had issue after issue with location, but it don't mean that we're not doing it. 
It means God has his perfect timing and he's teaching us lessons in the waiting. And we're going to look, we brought a beautiful family for 700 miles away with three beautiful kids to be our campus pastor, to get to know people in NAC, move to NAC. I mean, they kind of just launched into NAC after being a part of our staff for several months. Dan and Laura Chanowski, Pastor Dan led us in prayer today. And, and we wanted to get him to know the church because we're not launching another church. We're launching this church there. But then we don't open on the right time. Well, the Holy Spirit's encouraging us. He's guiding us. He's teaching us stuff through this. Our leadership team, our pastoral team, he's teaching us. Let's just pray right now. Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring clarity to this Nacogdoches campus. God, you've called us that in the next 10 years, we're to create community destinations where anyone can find and follow you. And Holy Spirit, would you encourage us in this time? Would you make straight what's crooked? Would you make clear what's twisted? Would you open the door that the enemy would love to close? May we not be weary in well-doing, but knowing as we trust you, we're going, there's going to be a harvest that comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that little break there. He encourages us. He guides us. If we're living now by the Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit leading in every part of our lives. You know that the Holy Spirit isn't looking for a one-night stand, everybody. Where we live like the devil Monday through Saturday, get our drink on Saturday night. And then we get our praise on Sunday morning. Back to Saturday. He wants every part of your life. He wants every part of your life. Hilarious, the other day, we were picking up people that were inebriated at a club as one of our outreaches, and um, <laughs> Pastor Alvin was there, and someone walked out and said, Alvin! <laughs> and he's, he's like, hey, man. He's like, I love your church. I just love you, man. Just love you, Alvin. Okay, okay, okay. That's all right. It's a church anyone can come to. It is. It's okay not to be okay. We just don't want you to stay that way. He guides. He has feelings. You know, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. He is ultimate personhood. The, the Holy Spirit can grieve like a widow next to a casket. And I've seen a lot of that. He can grieve when he speaks to us and we don't listen and he teaches us and we won't learn and he encourages us and we won't take it and he, he guides us and we say, no, my way. And he, and it, he grieves, he, he has sorrow. He, he can be insulted. If the penalty for breaking the law of Moses is physical death, what do you think will happen if you turn on God's son, spit on the sacrifice that made you whole and insult this most gracious spirit? This is no light matter. When we live and we know the Holy Spirit is wooing us into a different life and we say, forget it, I'm gonna live this way. And guys, listen, I've been there. I grew up in a pastor's home, but there were times, and you know, there are still times as just a man, as just a human, that I know the Holy Spirit says, don't say that. Back up, humble yourself, but I wanna get that last word in edgewise with my wife. And that's, that's insulting to the Holy Spirit. 
There's grace, but I, I want to I become more sensitive to his voice in my life. Don't you? He has feelings. He can be resisted. You stubborn people, you're heathen at heart and de- 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 deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Can I tell you something? If you want to resist the Holy Spirit, you will. If you want to, you will. But why would you want to? Don't resist. (laughs) Don't resist. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive that free gift that isn't a piece of candy. It is the person of the Holy Spirit active in your life. So in your notes, we're going to do something a little different today. Oh, what we've tried to do in Pentecostal circles and good, bad, and ugly. It's worked. It hasn't worked. It's good. It's not good. It's, it really comes down to the heart of people and the intention. But when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit, um, we try and get all that done in a service. And so typically, and we've done it and I've done it, and I've led these services and that's okay. This morning, we don't have that time. We, we, we don't have the time to wait in Jerusalem until we're clothed with power on, on high. We don't have that time. I'm gonna give you some extra time today just to kind of sit and wait on God after we dismiss and you can do that and the music will play, but, but that's, that's beside the point. But see, they were waiting and they were waiting until, and it wasn't just a service moment, it was preparing their heart. And so in your notes, just realized in first service that I had way more to say than what the time would give me. So I talked to our media director in between services and actually told him in the middle of first service that these next five points of receiving the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna come back up here and I'm gonna do a little video devotional. And Monday, I'm gonna give you point one and Tuesday, I'm gonna give you point two and Wednesday, I'm gonna give you point three and Thursday and Friday. And I'm, I'm gonna give you that video tutorial and you'll be able to see it on our Facebook page. And I invite you to have some devotion time with me in the morning or in the evening to talk about receiving the Holy Spirit. And I'll bring, I will pray on that, on that video and I'll offer you some truths. I just, right now, I just don't have the time to give all that to you. But here's what I do have. I'm going to give you just the first point. And then we'll go through the rest of the points this week, okay? So the first point is this, back to the day of Pentecost. You with me? You with me, everybody? Okay, back to the day of Pentecost. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The story goes on that they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven because the feast was going on and everybody was coming in to celebrate the feasts. When they heard this sound, a crowd, the sound of the Holy Spirit and the wind and the tongues and the people speaking in different languages, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. This was just a miracle going on. Utterly amazed. They asked, well, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. I mean, like, how do they know our language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? So everything I've said today, what does this all mean? 
because maybe you're amazed and you're a little perplexed. Because maybe what we've talked about today doesn't quite align with where you've been, or maybe you're like those people in Ephesus, you never even heard there's a Holy Spirit. Amazed and perplexed, what does this mean? Well, let me offer this to you. It's okay to be amazed and perplexed and even skeptical. It's okay. God's big enough, he can deal with your skepticism. But it isn't okay to stay there if you believe it to be true. And I hope that we have prepared a walk through the word of God that has shown all of us there's more for you. The Holy Spirit didn't go away with the apostles. He's still available. Because here we read the story. Jesus of Nazareth, Paul, Peter steps up. Peter, the same dude who denied Christ. Peter, the same dude that was a roughneck fisherman off the deadliest catch. Peter, the same guy who's cutting dude's ears off in the garden instead of praying. He's like, yeah. He was probably going for the neck, but he was a fisherman, so he didn't have good aim. He stands up with boldness. Before he even gets to this part, he says, because the people think they've been drinking. They're skeptical. They're skeptical. Those guys are drunk. That's oh, a cult. The Holy Spirit, whatever. That's just, that's hocus pocus. They say they've been, they've been drinking. They've had too much to drink. And Peter, even with humor, I love it. I th- this is the sign. You should be humorous when you preach. He said, these guys aren't drunk as you think. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> I think that's a funny line. I think it's a funny line. It's only nine. All right, give us a minute. <laughs> He's kidding. He's kidding. But he goes on to say, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. You didn't arrest him. The, emperor, the empire didn't arrest him. He, he, this was part of the plan. With the help of wicked men, put him to death by the nailing by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter's just preaching the gospel message, the good news. He's just telling the good news. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And I hope that's your question. This week, what shall we do with this Holy Spirit? And I'll give you number one remove all barriers we don't have time today but we can take time this week today I would invite you to remove all barriers Peter goes on to say it like this he replies to them what do you do repent be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promise is for you and your children and for who who are far off. Are we pretty far off from them? Yeah. All whom the Lord our God will call. So when Jesus breathes on them, guys, go to this camera if you would. (laughs) So, when he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Let's see if I can get this here. 
we're a vessel, we're empty, and Jesus fills us with his spirit at salvation. He says, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathes that, and we confess and we believe we're not an empty vessel. In fact, you don't even have to empty yourself first. He fills you up and the rest pours out, and the more you allow him to be in your life, the more the junk goes away. It's not about removing the bitterness out of your life, it's about putting more of the spirit in your life, and it'll get rid of the bitterness. But when you're filled, that's okay, you, you can go to heaven. You're good, you're here, this is you. You don't, you don't have to be, have an extra experience. You don't have to do an extra prayer. You don't have to do anything. But what the scripture is showing us is not only did they receive the spirit, but then they were baptized. They were immersed in the spirit. It wasn't just for their internal salvation. It was for external empowerment and just more, instead of him filling us within us, we then get all of him around us. And that's what baptism is. It is immersion in him. And I invite you to follow me on a few day journey to pray and receive the Holy Spirit just in your quiet time with your little phone, your little computer. But today, let's remove barriers. Would you pray with me? If you're here today with your eyes closed and heads bowed and you'd like more of the Holy Spirit, but the truth is you haven't even asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, or if you have, it's been a long time and you are not living that way. If you need to renew your commitment or make a commitment to say, hey, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I want him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. For the first time or the first time in a while, if that's you, no embarrassment, no, no, but no him hawing around. If that's you, you raise a hand straight up in the air. I need Jesus to be my Savior today. I need, I need him to free me from some stuff. I, I need him to fill me with his spirit to breathe on my life again because I feel dead and I need to be born again today. Yeah, you can put your hands down. And if you believe in faith, the grace of Jesus covers your sins. If you believe that Jesus is not just a good guy, not just a good philosopher, but the son of the living God who died for you, paid for your sin by the cross, then you're saved. Now live in it. Stop living in shame. Stop living in regret. Stop second guessing it. Live in it and say, thank you, Jesus, for taking my sin away and giving me a fresh start. I can't carry all this by myself. I give it to you. Be my savior. Be my Lord. But then there are those of us also with heads bowed and eyes closed. You love Jesus. You've asked him into your heart, but there are some barriers. Maybe it's a theological barrier. Maybe it's a temptation issue. Maybe it's a habitual sin. Maybe it's some dryness and just being stale. But you say, I, I want to I surrender all that to Jesus today, and I want all that he has to give me. I want all the Holy Spirit that all the Holy Spirit wants to give me. If that's you, I've got my hand raised already. Would you raise a hand too? I want more of the Holy Spirit today. Jesus name be filled with the Holy Spirit receive the Holy Spirit today receive the Holy Spirit in your own words I receive your gift that you've given me I receive the gift of your spirit today I receive the spirit I want intimate friendship with you Holy Spirit I welcome you into this place not just not this church building into my heart to guide me and teach me and encourage me. I don't want to resist you. I don't want to bring sorrow to you. I don't want to insult you by the way I live. I remove the barriers and take it away and I want to be close to you, Jesus. We ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ.